Well, good morning, and Merry Christmas. It is great to be with you today. So glad that you have joined us on this Christmas Eve at First NSB. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I know Pastor Nick was already up, and he, and he shared with you a welcome, but let me just echo that welcome as well, and especially to guests, all right? I know that we have a lot of guests here uh, on Christmas Eve, and we're so thankful that you're here, whether you're visiting family from out of town or you're local and you decided to come today. We're so glad that God brought you here and you're welcome here anytime. But I want to invite you to join me in God's Word in Luke's Gospel chapter 2 this morning. Luke's Gospel chapter 2. And uh, we are, we've been in a series this month called The Christmas Story. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, if you look underneath one of the chairs in front of you, you'll find a Bible there, and I'll make it easy for you. It's page 1016, all right, 1016 in that Bible. So uh, go ahead and join us, and um, the worship team, they're, they're staying in position, so they're going to be on their, like, best behavior this morning, and um, it's going to be great, right? So you know, I'm, not, I'm not worried about them, but um, if they start falling asleep, it means I need to wrap it up, right? I need to be done. Okay, so we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 this morning. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll look at God's Word. Father, thank you for this Christmas Eve. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that today we would glorify you and honor you and give thanks to you for the greatest of all gifts, the gift of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person here today. Lord, I, I pray for those of us who, who know this story, that God, we will be in awe, in a fresh way, over what you've done. Lord, I pray for those here that, that maybe this is the, the first time they've heard this story or, or maybe they've heard bits and pieces, but, but it's largely unfamiliar. God, I pray that, that God, you'd grant them understanding. And Lord, I pray if there's a lost person here, a person who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, God, I pray that today you would open their eyes and you would cause them to see the truth of Jesus and to be saved. God, may we honor you as we look to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at Luke's gospel. We've been in Luke chapter 1, and, and today we now come to Luke chapter 2, and, and we've looked at what Luke tells us about the events leading up to the birth of Jesus. Right, The angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and told him that he and Elizabeth would have a child. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she would have the child Jesus. That he would be great. He would be the son of the Most High. And, and, and he tells her that, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon her. And, and God would, would, would come upon her. And that something incredible was going to happen. And so now we come to Luke chapter 2, and, and we look to this text, and it's very familiar. i, I got to tell you, this scripture, Luke chapter 2, is very, very familiar to me. And maybe you're in the same boat I'm in, and you go to Luke chapter 2, and you're like, I've been there so many times. 
It might even be your family's tradition to read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 every Christmas. That may be a tradition that you have as a family. And I've, I've come to Luke chapter 2 and, and I've read Luke chapter 2 and I've, I've preached from it. Th- those of you who've been a part of our church for many years, I mean, you, you've heard this message. This is now my 16th Christmas Eve at First NSB. And, and together we've gathered and we've, we've celebrated what Luke 2 tells us about the gift of God's Son, Jesus. I've read books that talk about these verses, or, or, or commentators who, who've talked about these verses, and, and I've learned what, 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 what's happening here, and, and undoubtedly I've forgotten some of the things I've learned. Maybe you're in the same place. And you come to Luke 2, and you come to the story of Jesus and his birth, and it's so familiar. But I want us to look at it again. I want us to remember it. And there may be some here this morning who you've, you've not heard this or maybe you've heard part of it. But as we come to these verses, it's a story that Luke tells us about what happened leading up to the birth of Jesus and then the birth itself. So, so let's begin with the first verse. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, notice at the outset of the story... We're introduced to an earthly ruler, Caesar Augustus. Now, this Roman emperor, he ordered that his whole empire should be registered, that a census should be taken. And as a result of this decree, Joseph and Mary, they traveled to Bethlehem because Joseph was a descendant of King David. Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem because of the decree issued by Caesar Augustus. Now, this Roman emperor wielded great power, but is he the one ultimately in charge here? It had been prophesied in the Old Testament by the prophet Micah that the Messiah or the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. Matthew's gospel makes this clear. So who is really in charge here? Well, the answer we get in the Bible is that God is in charge. The Christmas story tells us that, that God is in charge, that, that God is in control. And we see it throughout the Bible. God moved the Persian king Cyrus to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Joseph, who was sold as a slave by his brothers, told his brothers that God had sent him to Egypt. The believers in Acts, they prayed to God and they said that Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the peoples of Israel had gathered together against Jesus to do whatever God's hand and plan had predestined to take place. God has always been in charge. He's in charge today. 
God is in charge of everything happening in our world right now, right? Even as you look at a world and you see parts of the world that appear to be in absolute chaos, God is in control. God is in charge in your life today. Like, I don't know what you brought into this place. I don't know what kind of burdens, what invisible burdens that you are bearing today. But I can tell you, God knows everything that you're struggling with, everything that you're dealing with. God is in charge of your life. And so God's in charge of this story, right? So Caesar Augustus has great power. And yes, he's issued a decree, which results in Joseph and Mary traveling to Bethlehem. But church family, God's the one in charge here. God sends Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And so picking up at verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at, in the inn. God is in charge of the timing and the location of the birth of Jesus. I was talking with my wife recently like within the last days and even even this morning confirming some things and, and talking with her about the birth of our first son Isaac he's actually behind me right here right there really well behaved he's on the acoustic guitar but but I, I was talking with Rachel about the, the birth of our son Isaac and and there were a number of trips to the hospital when we were at my parents for Thanksgiving um, Rachel had some contractions and so we ended up going to Orange Park Medical Center wasn't time wasn't God's time. Uh, it, it was early. It was too early. Uh, but we ended up coming back home, and uh, we had another trip to the hospital. And then finally, on the third trip, I think that was, that was the one. And, and Rachel tells me that on the way to the hospital, I wanted to stop at McDonald's. <laughs> I, I don't remember this, but I'm going to take her word for it. And when we got to McDonald's, evidently, you know what? They didn't have hamburgers. We got to the hospital. They didn't have a room available, right? They, there was no room available, so I think we were like in a waiting room. My wife was not happy. But you know who was in charge of all these little things? God was in charge of all these little things, right? I mean, God, God was in charge in, in, in the birth of our first son. God, God was in charge of, of, of your birth. God, God's in charge of all the little details of your life and all the little details of my life. Well, God is in charge here, and he has Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem, and while they are there, it's time for Mary to give birth. And when Jesus is born, he's wrapped in swaddling cloths and he's placed in a manger. And Luke tells us the reason for the manger. There was no place for them in the inn. Now, Luke doesn't answer questions that maybe you and I might have. Well, why wasn't there place for them in the inn? We don't have all the answers we might want, but, but what we see here is that the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus are humble. They're humble circumstances. I mean, he's placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough. There was no place for them in the inn, and the humble setting of the birth of Jesus, it matches the humility that Jesus would display in his life and death. Jesus would later tell his disciples, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Before he went to the cross, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He died on a cross for sinners, for you and for me. 
The Apostle Paul wrote that Jesus took the form of a servant and that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was a humble servant. And the setting of his arrival in Bethlehem was humble and his life was characterized by humility. Now, what happens when a baby is born? You tell people, right? I mean, when, when, when a baby is born, you announce the news. Like, you, you tell people that, that the child has been born. So, when our boys were born, I mean, we, we, we probably called some family members, and we probably told them about it. And, and today, when, when a baby is born, I mean, you put it out on social media, right? You, you put it out there on Facebook or other social media channels for all the world to see. Well, there wasn't social media or texting when Jesus was born. But God does something far better. God sends an angel. In fact, God announces his son's birth in spectacular fashion. If you pick up with me at verse 8, it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So these, sheep, these, shepherd, these shepherds are in the field watching their sheep. I mean, undoubtedly, there could be moments of excitement if a predator attacks and the shepherds have to protect the sheep. But, but I'm sure it could be boring at times. Luke doesn't tell us exactly what these shepherds are doing at this moment other than keeping watch over their flock of sheep. But whatever they were doing or whatever was going through their mind is interrupted by the appearance of an angel. Understandably, the shepherds are afraid at the appearance of this angel. The angel tells them a Savior has been born. This is a spectacular birth announcement. I recently read Tim Keller's book, Hidden Christmas. And in talking about these shepherds, he, he, he talks about this spectacular announcement that these shepherds received. And, and he contrasts it with what we have. And, and, and what he says is that, that we've been given God's word in, a, in an ignorable form. Right? I mean, you think about like, how do we know this story? We know it through the written word of God, right? We, we know it through the pages of scripture, right? We don't know it because we personally had an angel visit us and tell us what he told these shepherds. But what we have in the Bible, what Keller refers to as an ignorable form, and he doesn't mean that in a negative way, is the truth of what happened. And what happened some 2,000 years ago is that God announced his son's birth in a most spectacular fashion. An angel shows up. 
and says unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Everyone in Bethlehem in those days needed a Savior. Everyone in Bethlehem today needs a Savior. I read an article recently, an Associated Press article about what's happening in Bethlehem presently. It's a volatile part of the world. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a part of the world where there's, there's chaos. There's war. Everyone, not just in Bethlehem in the day that Jesus was born, but everyone in Bethlehem today needs Jesus. Everyone in New Smyrna Beach needs Jesus. Everyone everywhere needs Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. My wife and I recently celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary on December 14th. And um, we got away for a few days and we, we went to, to Epcot, one of Disney's parks. And, and while we were there, we, we saw their new fireworks show. And, and it's a combination of, of, of a water show and a light show and, and a fireworks show all, all in one, right? And, and, and Disney does production well. Right, I mean, they, they really do production well. And, and one of the things I like about a fireworks show is I like the end. Not, not because it's over, because I like the fireworks, but I like the end, the grand finale, the big finish. I mean, I like the lead up to it, but, but there's something about the big finish, right? I don't know, because they, they send up a whole bunch of fireworks and it's just this incredible display and it's just there for a moment and then it's gone. But I like the big finish. I like the grand finale. Now, this birth announcement is spectacular. I mean, an angel shows up, that checked the box for spectacular, right? But it gets better. I mean, if this wasn't spectacular enough, look at what happens because one angel alone makes it incredible, but, but look at what happens. I mean, this far outdoes anything that Disney could ever do. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I don't have anything to compare this to. But just in your mind, think about the most spectacular thing you've ever witnessed. And then tell yourself that that most spectacular thing you've witnessed pales in comparison to what happened to these shepherds that night. The angel appears to them, tells them to not be afraid. He brings them good news. A Savior has been born. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now, I don't know exactly how many a multitude is, but I know it's a lot. A multitude of the heavenly hosts, a multitude of angels show up praising God. So what comes next? God uses shepherds to share the news about his son. Verse 15, it says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds go to Bethlehem. I have no idea who watched the sheep. But I can tell you if I was one of those shepherds, I would not volunteer to stay behind and watch the sheep. I'd want to go and see this thing that the Lord had revealed to me. They arrive at Bethlehem and they see baby Jesus lying in that manger, that feeding trough. And and they share the news that the angel had shared with them. And everyone who heard what they shared wondered at the message. God used shepherds. And God uses us, his church. In fact, God uses us to share the Christmas story. God uses us. And, and, and the story is a story that's been told countless times before. And you think about these shepherds. I mean, I think these shepherds, I mean, based upon what I know, they were the first to share this Christmas story. Or, or the, let's say this, the first humans to share this Christmas story. And it's been told countless times for the past 2,000 years. I've told the Christmas story for the last 16 Christmases here at First NSB. And undoubtedly, the, the Christmas story has been told for the entire 117-year history of this church in this church. And it was told long before this church ever existed. For the last 2,000 years, the story of Christmas has been told over and over and over again. God uses ordinary people like you and ordinary people like me to tell the others, to tell others about his son. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the reason we need a Savior The reason why everyone in Bethlehem in those days and in these days. The reason everyone in New Smyrna Beach today and the reason why every one of you today need a Savior is because we've all sinned. We've all turned away from God and chosen our own path. We've all rebelled. We've all disobeyed. But God loves us. And John's gospel tells us that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever you are this morning, adults of all ages, teenagers, children, whatever your age is, whoever you are, if you will receive Jesus as Savior today, he will save you. Now, some of you may be excited about some gifts. Right? You may be thinking, hey, I'm, I'm getting what I asked for, or I'm hoping that I'm going to get what I asked for. Right? And, and that gift is going to be given, and, and you just got to simply receive it and open it. Well, the greatest gift has been given. God's own Son, the Savior of the world. And, and, and how is it that we receive God's Son, Jesus? By faith. By faith. And do you know, you, you can receive Jesus as your Savior sitting right where you are. Right where you are. 
It's, it's, it's as simple as acknowledging that you are in fact a sinner. That you are in fact guilty of breaking God's law. And it's having godly sorrow for that sin. And it's believing that Jesus Christ came into this world, that he truly died on a cross for your sins. And if you will turn from your rebellion against God, that is repent, that's the word the Bible uses, repent, turn from your sin, turn from your rebellion against God, and trust in God's Son, Jesus, he will save you. And right here, right now, in this very moment, if you will trust in Jesus, he'll save your soul. It's the greatest news. And this Savior has come. He, he has been born. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus is the true light. The true light, the light of the world has come. Jesus called himself the light of the world, but he also called his followers, those who believed in him and followed him, he called them the light of the world. And in just a moment, we're going to illuminate this worship center by candlelight. And as we illuminate this worship center with, with candlelight this morning, we celebrate that the true light of the world has come. Let's worship the light of the world, Jesus. And let's be the light of the world. Church, let's be those ordinary people that God uses to keep telling the Christmas story. Let's be those ordinary people that God continues to use to share the good news of his son, Jesus. Luke tells us the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Church, let's glorify and praise God for what he has done. Would you pray with me? Our Father, 